This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in Lake Kick is live. It is Sunday night, May 15th, year of our Lord, 2022. You want the truth. For all I know, you may even be able to handle the truth, but you better not tamper with the truth. And that's all I have to say about that until about 30 seconds from now, when we're going to talk about the cold, hard truth regarding tampering in our great sport of college football. We're jam-packed, high atop, lively downtown Nashville, Tennessee. We got to separate some fact and fiction tonight because there's a, there's a couple of things that from what I can gather, a lot of folks think they know about tampering in college football. It's kind of like the old school bagman theories in recruiting. Everyone just thinks they know something. What can we prove? Well, I'm not going to present all the evidence tonight, but I am going to give you some feedback that I've gotten from talking to some coaches and some personnel folks inside the industry, which is a fancy word for sport. And I'm going to tell you what they told me anonymously, of course. Bold predictions, chapter eight coming at you tonight by way of your own predictions. Also, we're gonna talk about a couple of things in the mailbag that I found really interesting that you guys submitted. So we're gonna do all that tonight, plus some transfer portal buzz. Imagine though, look at all we have to talk about. Imagine pretending the off season exists. Imagine taking vacation, couldn't be us. Couldn't be all of us anyway. Uh, Dak, well, let me, let me make sure I pronounce this right because I grew up in Georgia. Decula, Georgia. That's where they're tuned in tonight. Bryce, by the way, happy 19th birthday, buddy. Lake Jackson, Texas, they're watching there. Delta, Colorado. And Bowlesburg, PA. Ethan and the guys at Angelo's Pizzeria, which I am told is in the shadow of State College, Pennsylvania. Appreciate you one and all watching us and listening to us wherever you are, making our numbers just go right through the roof. It's a rocket ship if you're listening on podcast. What does paid state material look like? There will come a time where you can wear paid state material. And that's a pretty vivid tease. About as good a tease as I've given about the future of the show uh, as of late. But also, here's what else it looks like. I want to take Joseph Allen Taylor's Instagram message to me. I rarely screenshot your personal messages to me, but I got permission here. Here's what he said if you're listening on pod. Josh, thanks so much. Love the show. So much that I've got 10 of my friends at college at Liberty University subscribed important word there, on both YouTube and Spotify, doing my part to get us to 100K. That is what paid state material looks like. So, Joseph, thank you so much. Things like that are the reason we just gained a thousand subs on this YouTube channel last week. What does all that mean? Why are we caring so much about this? Well, because when we get to 100K, special things are going to happen around here. We have it on the good authority of management that special things are going to happen around here. So, let's just Let's just hustle up and get there. We're already at like 94,000. So we're like more than nine-tenths of the way there. All right, that's all the begging I'm going to do right now. Let's dive in. Tampering in college football. Gasp. Uh, how much of this is going on? Now, here's how I want to start this. Theater of the mind is a very powerful thing. We have it right here on Late Kick. Producer Jesse, Director Colin, I tell you they exist, but you've never seen them. Half of you don't even believe they're real. But I can assure you as much as I can assure you right behind that wall, 
They live and they breathe and they have thoughts and feelings and hearts and emotions just like the rest of you, but you don't know what they look like. And so absent that in your mind, you just kind of make things up. Some of you have gone off the deep end making those things up, but this is very prevalent in college football too. And you know where it's happening? It's happening in the world of tampering. Now, there is a lot of what people believe, and then there's uh, not so much of why I believe it, and that's where I want to go tonight. Now, I want to take you back, let's say, to yesteryear. You know, if you grew up, I don't care if you're 60 years old or you're 30 years old, just think about the pre-NIL transfer portal era and think about what everyone used to talk about. You just used to talk about bag men and recruiting. You used to talk about dropping bags and buying players. And remember how everybody just thought they knew. You could ask any, even casual college football fan, about $100 handshakes and players being paid. And you would swear on, on graves of family members that had not even passed on yet that, yep, it's happening and I can guarantee you my rival's doing it. But yet if you were pressed for evidence, hardly any of you would have actually had evidence. You just had heard some things and you had read some things and then your, your own cognition had put together some things and you had just summarized in your own mind, yep, it's happening. But you didn't really have any evidence, you just thought it was happening. Well, that's kind of where we are with tampering right now. Not a lot of people have stone cold, hard and fast evidence that tampering is going on, but yet I would say if we unofficially polled the audience, nine out of 10 of you or maybe more are convinced that tampering is going on. I am included in that group. And yet I also, well, I've got the word of some people who would know that it's going on, but even I myself do not have direct hard evidence that I could take into a court of law. There are some wildly held beliefs being formed right now amongst the college football public when it comes to tampering. And what I want to lead the show with tonight, and I want to try and make you feel a little bit better about this because there are some nightmare scenarios floating around out there. I don't think that it's as bad as some of you believe. Now, this is going to be one of those classic, here's what I'm not saying sort of segments. And normally I like to tee that up because of what the comment section quickly devolves into if I don't. What I'm not saying is tampering's not happening. Oh, it's happening. Happening all over the place. I have spoken about this many times on this show. So when I tell you I don't think it's as bad as you believe, I'm not saying that it's not as widely spread. I'm saying that maybe your worst fear is not being realized in this. Because your worst fear is not that fill-in-the-blank school in the Mac is tampering. You guys don't care about that. Most of the people who watch this show, if we're talking about tampering, you're worried about your own personal roster being poached, and then you're worried about the big boys out there just coming in and having their way with all the other second-tier and third-tier programs. So what I'm not saying is tampering's not happening. What I am saying is I think the face of tampering looks a whole lot different than what your worst fears are. So. Here's where I want to go with this, and I want you to think along with me. Maybe you're driving around and it's Monday or Tuesday, or maybe you're watching live right now, and if you are, I appreciate that here on the YouTube channel on Sunday night. What's your biggest fear? So let me start with that. What is your biggest fear when people mention the word tampering? I don't think it's that some random school that finished six and seven last year is out there tampering with players. Biggest fear for most college football fans is not that middle of the road programs are tampering. Your biggest fear is that the elite tier one programs in the country are going to be able to flex their muscle and they're going to be able to go into anyone's roster they want to and pillage and plunder and take whoever they want back to where? Columbus, Ohio or Tuscaloosa or Clemson or Athens. And that's your biggest fear. Enter Kirby Smart this week. 
I don't know if you caught this quote. He appeared on the Paul Feinbaum show and he said something that I really want you to take note of because he said something in not so many words that we have said on this program for about three months now. As everyone's talking about tampering and everyone's throwing around allegations, here's what Kirby Smart said. Quote, I don't believe there's as much tampering as people think. There are kids who grow up thinking if it doesn't work out here, I should go somewhere else, which is speaking to the overall human condition. Kirby Smart continues, tampering comes from the player searching somewhere else, not from a coach reaching out. That's reality. At a place like Georgia, at a place like Bama, at a place like Ohio State, I have told you this probably a dozen times. I'm not just making it up. You're not wasting your time watching this show. I'm getting direct feedback from those programs. What's happening is they've got kids daily, maybe from your favorite team, reaching out to them and asking, do you have a spot for me? I can promise you it's happening because I have direct knowledge that it's happening. That's not to say tampering's not happening, but your worst fear of these teams that play for national championships just going behind the curtain and trying to jerk anyone they can off any roster, that's not quite the reality of how the transfer market is working right now. In fact, I'll go a step further. Not that I'm looking to draw sympathy for the major programs in college football. Georgia, Bama, Ohio State, these major programs, they're a whole lot more vulnerable to being tampered with, to having their rosters tampered with. Number one, they don't have a whole lot of needs. So, so they don't have to go out, even if they wanted to traffic in this sort of activity and do it a whole lot. But secondly, the entire premise of this whole thing, you know, when a lot of people thought it was going to inject parity into the sport, was such that, well, if you're at Georgia or Alabama and you're a two or you're a three there, you could be a one at a place like and then fill in the blank program. And that's not totally unfounded. When you watch the way the portal doors swing, you watch over the course of three or four year spans, there'll be a whole lot more players leave these programs than there will walk in. The quality of player that walks out will be superseded by the quality of player that walks in. But that's part one of that. But the other part that I want to talk about is I can't tell you tampering's not happening. It certainly is. What I can tell you is it's not going down in the way that you fear it's going down. It's not just the major programs out there behind the curtain trying to jerk all those players from all these other rosters and there's nothing they can do about it. But what I have learned from talking to a lot of people is there's a big difference in everyone's doing it versus everyone's using it. See, everyone's doing it is just this blanket allegation and you throw it out there. But then when I ask for facts and I ask for actual evidence, you're kind of short on that. But what I have realized is in the coaching world, claiming tampering is much like players claiming they're not starting because coach hates me. It's so much easier for a running backs coach or an offensive coordinator, or even a head coach or a player personnel director saying uh, they got tampered with. That's why we lost that kid. It's a whole lot easier to say that than to say uh, we didn't create an environment or foster the kind of atmosphere that he wanted to stay and play and be a part of. That's not fun to say, because that takes some personal responsibility. And there's really no way to ever prove it. I mean, if, if, if Pate State loses a linebacker tomorrow and he goes to Colorado, I can say Colorado tampered with him all day. You're probably going to take my word for it. Why? Because I run Pate State. Or maybe at the worst, I'm an assistant coach here. And if I tell you that and you're a member of the media or you're a booster here, you're just a high-level uh, donor that has bought some access, and I tell you that, you're running to the message board and you're telling 500 other people that, and it just spreads. And yet you never even know if it's true or not. 
So you're going to see for a little while, I don't know that there's an expiration date on this, you're going to hear allegations of tampering with every kid who leaves your program. Every kid who leaves your program was not tampered with. Some may and some may not have been tampered with, but you're going to hear it as an allegation just because it makes you feel better. You lost the kid, it makes you feel better to say he was tampered with. No kids leaving your program even if they do get tampered with if you gave them enough reason to stay. Now, you know how I feel about this. I, I despise the concept of it. I'm not defending it at all. I do not like that right now in our sport, there exists a mechanism where you can essentially go and buy players off of rosters. Hate it, hate it, hate it. It's not what college football should be to me. So I'm not defending that. What I am saying is sometimes the allegations are being thrown around and it's not as it appears at all. So I think it's probably a little bit more widespread, the allegation, than it should be. And part two is I do not think if your biggest fear is a bunch of the elite programs going and poaching players at will, I don't think it's your biggest concern or I don't think it should be your biggest concern uh, because it's the feedback I've gotten and it's, it's, it's feedback I trust. So I'm going to leave that here. There are a lot of things to be scared of out there. I don't think that this tampering is going to be what sends the sport uh, spiraling into the abyss. It's been a perfect weekend for a lot of you. Not all. I see some tough weather out there right now, but it's been a perfect weekend for a lot of things. One thing in particular that it's been a perfect weekend for that a lot of you guys pick up on every week, and I want to start giving credit, is a visit to Academy Sports and Outdoors. I was on my way to play softball the other night, and I stopped by, and I put a picture out there, but Tupac Chopra here, good friend of the program, obviously, with a name like that, how could he not be? I'm just showing you a random tweet. I get hundreds of these every week. If you're listening on podcast, our buddy Tupac Chopra just parked in the parking lot there at Academy. I don't even know which one this is. Could be one of any number of Academy Sports and Outdoors locations. And he took a picture. Look how crowded that parking lot is. Just the way God intended it. So he probably took 20 minutes to find a parking space. I feel like we're probably responsible for at least 35 or 40% of that traffic. And he took a picture. And you know what else he did? He tagged us and he tagged Academy. You can see it right down there at the bottom. Good job. And the more you guys do this, the more I'm giving you shout outs on the show. Academy Sports and Outdoors, one-stop shop for everything. I think we all understand that at this point. But even if you don't take part in the recreational activity, like if you're going to Radnor State Park here in Nashville, maybe you're not going to go play volleyball or tennis. Maybe you're not going to go canoeing. I bet you can fire up a grill. Whatever you're going to do, you can purchase the products you need to make that afternoon happen at Academy Sports and Outdoors. We appreciate them. They are our exclusive partner. They make the show possible. They make the show free for you. I don't know how else I can convince you. If you need it, and you do anyway, make Academy Sports and Outdoors the place you go to get it and help the show in the process and our partner in the process. Thank you so much to Academy Sports and Outdoors and Tupac in that order. All right, let's continue here. You know, Colin, I don't even like the angle that laptop's at. There, we fixed it now. Uh, so I'm looking, by the way, at Doug in the live chat, because you guys sometimes don't think I watch the live chat. Shame on you. Doug said there's no academy in Hawaii yet. Academy.com, I bet, does exist in Hawaii. Forgot to say that last couple of shows. Academy.com. If you don't have a store near you, Academy.com will get you hooked up. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. 
old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. On May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? <laughs> dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus. Let's talk about something that is surprisingly like the most popular topic on the show. You guys care about it? We're going to talk about it. Transfer Portal. Got some buzz and intel for you, but also some updated rankings. There's even been some movement on this very Sunday afternoon. So let's just start off with talking about how wild this has been. I mean, we've seen a lot of movement. There's still kids in the portal. Uh, the transfer portal is transforming college football. But I do want to go to the 24-7 Sports latest transfer portal rankings because there's been some movement here. And if you're getting ready for the season, I don't care if you're betting it. If you just want to be an informed fan, there's been a lot of movement. Maybe you haven't kept up with it. Doesn't matter. Just pay attention right now. This is what you need to know. The number one team in our 24-7 Sports transfer portal rankings right now, USC, they have taken 16 kids this cycle out of the transfer portal. That's good for an 85.12 ranking. Uh, they're just ahead of Ole Miss as having the top overall portal class. Now, you know Caleb Williams, the quarterback at Oklahoma, followed Lincoln Riley there. Uh, Mario Williams, the wide receiver, ditto. Those are very high-profile additions. Travis Dye, the running back from Oregon, should be high-profile, and he is on the West Coast. I haven't gotten the sense that nationally – he moved the needle as much as he should. This is a thousand yard rusher. He's a 1200 yard guy from last year, six yards per carry. He is a big time difference maker. Veteran player, I think he's been here four years at Oregon at least, so he goes to USC. Also, Eric Gentry is a linebacker that transferred from Arizona State recently. You got him, Shane Lee, formerly at Alabama. So they've still got a ways to go on roster reconstruction. Lincoln Riley's just been open about this, but boy, they went a long way in doing it. They, they went far enough in the transfer portal where they are such a wild card nationally this year. Because you look at what they added and you look at what they inherited and you think, okay, if everything were to go right, which would include Caleb Williams having a superstar season at quarterback and talent like Mario Williams at the wideout position and Travis Dye at running back, if all that went right, like USC could quite literally, phrase of the month, make the playoff. They could also lose five games. It's such a wild card team this year. USC number one transfer portal team. The number two ranked team in the transfer portal, the Ole Miss Rebels. This has changed even today. So they have added their 15th transfer portal edition. Redundancy there in the sentence. I understand that, but it is live. So we roll on. They've got an 82.05 ranking here. Uh, Jalen Robinson's the kid they added today. Most of you don't know who that is. That's fine. That's a 1,000-yard receiver kid from last year at UCF. Uh, Going to be dynamite in their system. Have very little doubt about that. Probably more of a slot receiver type. But also, I had to go in there today because they have so many. They've added 15 kids, like I said. Listen to this. So they have several kids rated four stars or higher in the transfer portal. But it's not all stacked up at one position. Of the players out of those 15 kids, 
that are rated four stars or higher. One of them's a quarterback. One of them's a running back. Two tight ends. They got a safety, an edge rusher, a linebacker, an offensive tackle, and a corner. So that's some versatility and variety of the four and five star variety out of the transfer portal. Now, the five star is Jackson Dart, the quarterback. And there's going to be a lot said about him, as there should be. I got some feedback from Ole Miss the other day. And Zach Evans is going to be a monster this year. That's a kid that came out of high school, and there were all kind of red flags around his name. And he ended up going to TCU. And I remember vividly thinking to myself, if he doesn't pan out, okay, all this has been validated. But you follow his career, and it hasn't been validated. He has not washed out like a lot of people predicted. Quite the opposite. He's thrived. And now he's gone to Ole Miss, and because of the quarterback transfer market, understandably so, his transfer has been covered up. You mark my words, Jackson Dart or not, Zach Evans is going to be the guy who steals the headlines from this transfer portal class. Jameer Gibbs is a big-time get for Alabama at running back. We're going to talk about him in a second. Wouldn't shock me at all if Zach Evans is the best running back in the SEC West this year. And I know, how, I know what kind of mouthful that is. But I also know what kind of player he is and what he's probably going to be able to do in that system. Zach Evans is going to blow it up this fall. Uh, number three team, LSU. LSU took 15 kids as well. Now, this is not a class that's as loaded up in terms of elite talent as maybe Ole Miss or USC. But they had to get quantity here. That roster situation was such that they had to get some quantity. So LSU is at 72.85. That's the uh, rating on this team. Attentions at quarterback. The attentions on Jaden Daniels, as it should be, uh, the transfer from Arizona State. Outside of that, they got some line of scrimmage help here. I'm not saying they didn't, but there aren't a bunch of headline grabbers. There is a lot of quantity that they needed. And it's also... It's so imperative that these defensive backs they brought in all hit. They've got a hit on all of them because they are replacing Eli Ricks, who transferred to Alabama. They're replacing McLaughlin, another DB who transferred to Arkansas. They're replacing Derek Stingley, who just went in the NFL draft. They got a hit. They can't afford injury, and they can't afford not to hit on those guys. So keep an eye on the DB position more so than anything outside of quarterback in that transfer class. The number four team in the transfer portal class right now is Oklahoma. They brought in 12 kids overall. That's good for a 60.06 rating. I know they got 12 here, but I don't know just pound for pound that there's a player that's been more important in the transfer portal this entire cycle, any team, than Dylan Gabriel. Because we did a segment the other day about the most important players, most important quarterbacks, and Dylan Gabriel was one of them, if not the biggest one in the country, because at Texas, if Quinn Ewers just retired from football tomorrow, they have Hudson Card there. At Oklahoma, if Dylan Gabriel doesn't work out, there's a big, big drop-off. I saw they picked up General Booty, which is not anyone in military garb, but rather the actual name of a quarterback that is headed to Norman. General Booty. G-Booty, as I like to call him for short. But uh, Dylan Gabriel's got to get it done now. So it, I have no reason to believe he won't. But it, that, that, that's a guy, if you look at all these other classes, that's a guy who probably has as much weight on his shoulders as any other transfer out there. Because Oklahoma right now is the odds-on favorite to win the Big 12. And if I were to take the name Dylan Gabriel, just, just slide his name out of the lineup sheet there, uh, that would not be the case. 
So there's a lot riding on Dylan Gabriel. And the number five team is Alabama. What's different about Alabama? Well, every other team that I've mentioned so far has at least 12 kids in the transfer portal class. Bama's taken five. But you know who they were? I think you do. Well, you got Jermaine Burton, who was Georgia's best receiver. You've got Jameer Gibbs, who may have been the best player in the ACC period at running back. You've got Eli Ricks, best corner in the entire class. Uh, you got Tyler Harrell, who was the wide receiver from Louisville. And then you've got Tyler Steen, who is an offensive lineman from Vanderbilt. All these guys are plug-in plays. They wouldn't take them at Alabama if they weren't. But, man, they got some high-quality players in this transfer portal class. And there's really not much else to say because we've talked about the Bama class so much. It's just noteworthy that they're sitting there all the way up at number five, and they only took five guys. It's just the guys were so good that statistically they rated that high. Some other classes to keep an eye on. South Carolina is at seven. And, of course, you had the Austin Stogner at tight end, Spencer Rattler at quarterback addition there. Keep an eye on them. Texas is at number eight. But I wanted to go just outside the top ten because there are two classes at number 11 and number 12 that bear very, very close watching. Arkansas is at number 11. They made some very, very high-profile additions. I mentioned McLaughlin, the DB from LSU. He's been added there, but also Drew Sanders, former five-star outside linebacker who has no concern about him. It's just Bama was loaded, so he went to Arkansas. Immediate plug-and-play guy. Uh, they got big-time wide receiver talent, so they've got guys that are going to be immediate difference makers, and also Nebraska at number 12. Nebraska added a lot of kids. And Nebraska, we talked about them a lot. They added quarterback Casey Thompson, and they've added a lot of other guys that, for all we know, could be the difference in a monumental leap in overall win expectancy this year because they weren't far off last year. It's just they lost a lot of games close. I don't know statistically. I don't know numerically, point for point, game for game, how many points those kids are worth. I just know if they're worth a combined seven could be the difference in multiple games. So keep an eye on that. That's the latest out of the transfer portal. Really good feature over on 247sports.com right now if you want to check some things out about that. And welcome in for those of you watching live. I really appreciate that. They're watching in Durant, Oklahoma tonight. I also have it on very good authority. They're watching in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Huntington, West Virginia. And Albany, Georgia. Home of the Albany Civic Center. I used to do play-by-play for indoor football. And the Columbus Lions went down to Albany on the regular. And I have called games in the Albany Civic Center. I bet you didn't know that because I think half of my family doesn't even know that. Here's what you guys do know. You know how to be bold. Bold predictions. The eighth chapter in a very, very gripping saga uh, that is engulfed late kick. It is your prediction and it is my boldness attached to the prediction. I'm going to tell you how bold I think these are. First up tonight. LSU, year one under Brian Kelly. Well, how about this for boldness? LSU will beat Alabama in Tiger Stadium. First time in 12 years. Yep, sure would be. First stat I had written down. Haven't done it since 2010. And that was the year Bama lost three games. Now, there have been some close games down there. uh, But LSU's been on the wrong side of all of them since then. The preseason win totals are already out for the SEC. To give you an idea of what kind of upset this would be, at least as we sit here right now. Bama's over-under win total is 11. LSU's over-under win total is 7. So there are solid four games. They only play 12, guys. There are solid four games in the eyes of odds makers separating these two teams. I just think this is the wrong team to have questions in your secondary against. 
I don't want to be replacing my entire secondary and watch the Heisman Trophy winner with a restocked cupboard of receivers and adding Jameer Gibbs in the backfield at running back for good measure. I, I don't really like that. And I've been in this building multiple times and watched Alabama come in there. Uh, it's not in the cards this year, I don't think. So I make this an eight. Why don't I make it a 10? Because I have supreme respect for the LSU environment, especially the game day atmosphere there. Like what else would I be speaking about? Because of Tiger Stadium, this is not a 10. This is tough for me to see this year. But here's one thing to keep just in the back of your mind. Alabama went on the road last year several times against teams they were favored by double digits against. They barely beat Florida. They went to like quadruple overtime against Auburn before they won. They did not beat Texas A&M. So maybe that follows them around in year two with Bryce Young as a starting quarterback. We'll see. That's an eight for me. Next up, this one is, this one's bold. J.J. McCarthy leads Michigan back to the playoff and finishes top five in the Heisman. This is a 9.98, only because I don't want to go to 10 yet, because we've got some foolishness later on in this segment that will be the first time we have broached the 10 on the 1 to 10 boldness scale. If you want to talk to me strictly about Michigan making the playoff, I will listen to you. It's still kind of bold, but I will absolutely listen to you because they proved a whole lot last year. They shattered the glass ceiling. Anything is possible. You get all the phrases. However, it is my opinion that if Michigan were to return to the playoff this year, it would be utilizing an offensive style totally antithetical to what would need to happen to get J.J. McCarthy in the Heisman conversation. I think they would go completely ground and pound. Josh Gaddis went off to Miami. So it's a new system. It's a new offensive coordinator. But also, I think they'll revert in many ways to what did work for him last year and what's worked for him in the past. So if, if Michigan's winning games this year, I don't think it's because they're putting up big numbers at quarterback. And secondly, who in the world even says J.J. McCarthy is going to get the requisite snaps in order to do that? Last I checked, Cade McNamara is still alive. He didn't go anywhere. He didn't retire from football. Uh, so that may be your starter again this year. And as recently as March, I'm sitting here listening to Jim Harbaugh talk about J.J. McCarthy's shoulder. I know there's a lot of optimism out there. I'm not his doctor, nor have I talked to his doctor. So for all of those reasons, it is very hard for me to see the second part. You could maybe sell me on Michigan making another run to the playoff. I will listen to that. I don't think it's going to coincide with a J.J. McCarthy Heisman run. That's a 9.98. That's really bold. Next up, this one's fairly bold too, but not out of the realm of possibility. So I'm going to give it a 7. Here's, here's the prediction. Will says, in fact, Will works for 24-7, so he's one of us. He says, very hot topic in the 24-7 sports desk slack room. I peruse it from time to time. He said, no Big 12 teams will win 10 regular season games. All right, how rare would this be? Well, three of them did it last year. Two of them won 12 games last year. So Baylor won 12, Oklahoma State won 12, OU ended up winning 11 games. Uh, we go further. According to Stats and Info, we know who that is. Over the past decade, at least one double-digit winner in the conference every year, and all but one year, we've had at least two double-digit winners. So we would have to have something occur here that has not occurred in the last decade. And by the way, the last time it didn't happen was 2020, and that's when they didn't play as many games as they normally do. So yeah, this normally happens, and it normally happens more than just once. So I think this is a seven. Now you would think, looking at the chart, if you're looking on YouTube, what, it never even comes close to happening. 
Why isn't this a 9.98 or higher? Because I think the Big 12 has some real demolition derby vibes coming out of it this year. I could see a world where we have like four or five teams with seven or eight wins, nine wins in the seven to nine win range, but we don't have a single one cracking the double digit win mark. I could see that. Uh, therefore, because of that reason, I'm not going to go higher than just a seven. The demolition derby vibe. Do you feel that? Do, do a lot of you feel that about the Big 12? Do you feel like there is a solid favorite that's going to rise out amongst the rest of the pack out there? Because Baylor won the conference last year. There's a lot of overturn there. I trust Dave Aranda implicitly, but there's a lot of turnover there. That quarterback situation is kind of fascinating. I mean, Jerry Bohannon started last year, lost the job in spring. Dave Aranda let him know he lost the job. He transferred. So that's fun to watch. I had Oklahoma. We know all about the turnover there. Oklahoma State, we just did a lengthy segment the other night, and yet here I am doubting they can win 10 games again. I think one of them's going to win 10 games. So I, only, I put this at a 7. I think one of them's going to win 10 games. So this is pretty bold to me. Uh, there's the Big 12 final standings from last year, by the way. As you see, 12 wins, 12 wins, 11 wins. Then was the drop-off to a team that I'm about to mention in a second. Next up, another one of these Heisman predictions. I almost never get on board with it. We're going to my home state, and we're talking about Kenny McIntosh running back for Georgia. You'll know his name this year if you don't already. Prediction, Kenny McIntosh will be in the Heisman race. I'll die on that hill. Well, I, I say get the coffin ready because this is an eight. I don't think Kenny McIntosh is going to be in the Heisman conversation. That's not me doubting Kenny McIntosh. It's me knowing Georgia football. I've gone on record already. You can throw the tight ends in there. Brock Bowers is one of the best players in America. I think Kenny McIntosh will be a breakout performer at the tailback position this year. Like I said, you will know his name, even if you don't know it now. I just don't think the offensive production will be there. This is a compliment to Georgia. They have a style. They have perfected it. I don't know if you were around in January. They just won a national title. It simply does not lend itself to standout statistical offensive performances. Not only that, we're talking about a running back here. We're talking about trying to get a running back to New York City. What do you have to have there? you have to have a feature tailback. You've got to have one guy carrying the lion's share of the load. Every year Kirby's been there, aside from one, they've had at least two guys towed it 90 times or more. They don't do it the way that some places do it where they feature a back. They don't see the upside in it. They're not trying to win Heismans. They're trying to win games, and they've gotten really good at it. So I don't, I don't even think if you were to take last year's total offensive output, at the running back position and put it in one body, let's say Kenny McIntosh, it, it wouldn't have been good enough anyway. They were 191 rush yards per game last year. That was 37th in FBS. So you're giving me a downgraded defense, don't know how much, but a downgraded defense this year, therefore I may not get as many possessions. And when I do, I've got the best wide receiver stable that I've had. I, don't, I just don't see how that equates to Kenny McIntosh's stat line being good enough to send to New York. He'll be plenty good in a football player. You know I'm not about the Heisman. I don't waste a lot of time on it. But you also know what it takes to win that award. And it's, it's all about numbers. I just don't think he's going to have the numbers. So uh, Heisman, I almost always say that because it's a hard award to win. Even if you're great, it's a hard award to win. Man, if you're playing the style of football Georgia does, that's probably not the right ingredients to send you to New York. Here's one that pains me immensely to even mention. Mike suggested that Iowa State will win nine games and they will reach the Big 12 title game in a rugged 
Big 12 season? Well, I think he was accurate in describing what will be a rugged Big 12 season. I think we can all agree Iowa State is one of the greatest things that our country has ever produced. I have solid bias here. If you want to claim it, I'll beat you to the punch. I am an Iowa State fan, love the program. However, I do not find nine wins here. I mean, Jesse informed me earlier, aka stats and info, that according to Bill Connolly's returning production metrics, this is a frightening statistic, they are 128th out of 131 teams in the United States of America at the FBS level when it comes to returning production. This is not the kind of program, even under Matt Campbell, that just reloads at the 9 or 10 win level every single year. When you lose an established multi-year starter at quarterback and you lose a guy like Brees Hall and you're 128th in total returning production, it, you don't just, you know what, you know what this program is. I know what this program is. This is not a program where you ever walk around Ames, Iowa, yelling, hey, we don't rebuild, we just reload. That's not the kind of program this is. So you can have supreme respect for the staff, which I do and still understand. It would be natural to expect a little bit of a downturn this year, record-wise. Doesn't make the program any worse of a program, but man, nine wins this year? And if you look at the schedule now, Colin probably already put it up, but if you look at their schedule, uh, this is tough. They play Iowa. That's the out-of-conference. They do that every year. They have to go there. They got Baylor on the 24th. It's a round-robin schedule. But listen to the order of these games. Kansas State, which I think is a Big 12 sleeper, at Texas the next week. Then they have a bye. They get Oklahoma at home on a Thursday night, which is very tantalizing. And then they got West Virginia. And then they go to Oklahoma State. Then they got Texas Tech, another sleeper team to me in the Big 12 this year. There is no rest. And this is, not, this is not a cupboard so loaded that you can ever afford to overlook any of these games. So that's, a, that's, that's four losses minimum to me. That's just the way I see the program this year. But then again, those of you who have been around a little while know how I saw the program last year. So maybe I just have a bad read on Iowa State. I would love for that to be the case at this particular time because my read on them this year is it's going to be really hard to win nine games. So double-digit win season, maybe it's Iowa State that gets it done in the Big 12. Lastly. I need to point out something to you. So if you're listening on podcast, I'll, I'll do my best to explain to you the monstrosity of a tweet that we got. Lance does great work on our podcasting front. And that's about where the compliments will end for Lance tonight. Because not only did he make a bold prediction, he bet $1.50 of his hard-earned money on it. And that is Rutgers to win a national championship. Rutgers is at plus 50,000 odds. He's betting one fifty. $1.50, mind you, to win $751.50. This is not a joke for him. This is his lifestyle. Uh, Lance, if he were in pro wrestling, he would be doing what is called living your gimmick. Oftentimes, that's a lie, every once or twice a month, I'll actually show up to a meeting on time around here. And Lance always shows up early. And he is like a wind-up doll when it comes to Rutgers. He's like the pull a string. Only when you pull the string on him, if you don't take the doll and throw it out the window, it just doesn't stop. It just talks about Rutgers, 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 Jersey reference, Sopranos reference, Rutgers, Rutgers, Rutgers. I swear to you, he knows more about the team than Greg Schiano does, and Greg Schiano's the head coach. Could probably learn a thing or two from Lance. But this is ridiculous. This is preposterous. On a scale of 1 to 10 boldness, I've got this at a 43. 
So I hope you enjoyed that 150. You will not be together much longer. But I texted him today and I told him I was putting, I told him I was putting Rutgers in the show and he's all worried about what I'm going to say about his team up there. I'm not trashing your team, Lance. I'm just trashing you. And it's probably the way he would have wanted to go. So there is our uh, boldness 8.0. I don't think there's any end in sight. I think we're going into a 10th chapter at least with the bold predictions. Why? Because I'm having fun with it. And you guys are really, really enjoying watching it when we put it up. Yes. Rest in peace, Lance. A lot of love for Lance in the live chat. At least someone stood up for him. It's good to see Patrice back tonight. Where has she been? Patrice Love back in the live chat. Long time fan of the program and friend of the show. Even back in our independent dark Columbus days, she's been around. Okay, let's dive into the mailbag. Got a couple to get to here. First question is from Courtney. And Courtney says, I think Brent Venables can win in the Big 12. New head coach at Oklahoma, obviously. But she continues, or maybe he continues. We'll see. Can he win in the SEC? Can Brent Venables win in the SEC when they make the move? Okay, what do we know about Brent Venables? Well, we know there are always some unknowns if you haven't been a head coach before. Well documented on this show. I don't know how you're going to handle community relations because you've never done it as a head coach. I don't know how you're going to handle your staff. You've never done it as a head coach. So a lot of the stuff that I can't possibly know, that's an obvious remains to be seen. I will say this about Brent Venables. Every box that Oklahoma could require to be checked, he checked. Everything they can know about him, he, he passed that test in spades. So he's the head coach there right now. Now, what else do we know about him? He had a lot of offers before. See, you know my philosophy, if you've watched the show for a while, I always told you if, if Pate State University is a tier one program, it's always been my personal philosophy. I don't believe in hiring guys who have not been a head coach. Because if I'm at the top of the food chain, I don't have to do that. I, I can afford to be so selective that I only choose from guys who have proven they can do it. But if I made an exception, it would be a guy like Venables. He's not 33 years old. He's not a hotshot coordinator. He's in his 50s. He's 51 years old. So he's still young enough to have a 15-year run in him if he's the right guy and it pans out. But he also has so much experience. He's been in eight national title games. He's won three of them. He's turned down many offers, so he could have left Clemson a long time ago. Why is that important to me? Well, it's important because if, if I'm running things at Oklahoma, obviously I'm not the only one who saw head coaching potential in him. A lot of other programs have, but also he was so selective, he didn't take any of them. He took mine. What does that tell me about Oklahoma? What does that tell me about my job? It tells me it was desirable. He's not a mercenary. He's not coming through here on a stepping stone up to the next level and to eventually gets where he wants to go. This is where he wants to go. So I, I think, in fact, I know if I'm Oklahoma, Brent Venable certainly gets Oklahoma. He's been here before. He gets Oklahoma. He, he, I cut him open. Oklahoma comes out. Same thing we say about Sam Pittman. But also, he knows how to sell Oklahoma. It really doesn't matter if you get it, if you can't make anyone else get it. He can make other folks get it. I, I don't doubt their recruiting prowess under Brent Venables. And also, he gets that he has to recruit and operate at a different level. There have already been several times before he's ever coached a game there that he's been asked about this kind of stuff, like Courtney just mentioned. Is Brent Venables ready for the SEC? He has brought it up several times. I mean, he went on a rant for like six minutes a couple of months ago talking to the fans. I think it was before the spring game, and boy, did they respond. And he was talking about what it's going to take, not just this year, 
But eventually, when we get to the SEC, you know, he's kind of speaking from quasi-experience, because Clemson was always kind of viewed as an SEC program that just happened to be in another conference, and he was telling them, everything that you think is good enough has to be better. We have got to be better in every phase. we got to be better. He carries around that big binder. Uh, what he calls it escapes me at the moment. But it's just upping your level of performance. It's maximizing your output in, in every facet of your program. And that doesn't stop once you leave the four walls of the athletic complex. It extends into the fan base as well. That stuff's real. That's not just rah-rah stuff. That stuff's real. That matters. You will see results in the positive on the recruiting front from what they did at the spring game. A lot of folks mocked it. I, I don't really care if I'm an Oklahoma fan. That stuff matters. Matters a lot. You'll see. It'll pay dividends. But also with Brent Venables, that's a guy who gets where they're headed. In terms of roster construction, talent acquisition, development, he's competed against them. He was 16-7 and seven against the SEC at Clemson. A lot of that South Carolina in lean years, I get that. They also went up against Nick Saban multiple times. So they faced the best of the best of the best. They played Ohio State, too. They have played the best of the best. He gets it. I have no doubt about that. The only thing that leads me to remain, you know, not a slam dunk yes on this is just the own unknown stuff. And it, it wouldn't be any different to me if he was the head coach at Arizona. And you ask me, can he win in the Pac-12? It's unknown until you prove it. I don't know how to predict how a first-time head coach is going to handle being a head coach. I just don't. I don't know Brent Venables personally. But even if you did know him personally, I mean, think about how many times guys who have been fast-tracked to being a head coach and were, were, they were just perceived to be slam dunks. Will Muschamp at one point in his career. Everyone thought Will Muschamp was a slam dunk. And you ask folks around him and everyone would have said, yeah, he, you earmark him. He's special. He's going to end up doing this for a long time. Well, where is he at right now? He wasn't a total and complete disaster, but he was never a superstar, transcendently great head coach. There's just stuff you don't know. And like I've told you before, I believe it's harder to be a new head coach in today's game than it ever has been because there's just more on your plate now. There are things that exist in this sport that you have to be a master of, or at least delegate mastery of, that didn't even exist 10 years ago. So yeah, I believe in Brent Venables, but it's not... It's not hating at all to say there's still a lot of unknown there. So I think, to answer the question, I think he'll be able to lead Oklahoma into the SEC. The other thing before we move on is what's the expectation level? Because if you're trying to come into the SEC and you're saying, all right, we got to be in the national championship every three years, right? That's not realistic. It's, it's possible. That's not realistic. What I expect Oklahoma to be when they come into the SEC is a perennial tough out, a contender. A team that has the roster, has the staff, has the stability, has the year-over-year investment resources to be a player every year. If you put yourself in that position, the same thing George has done. Eventually, you just swing every year and you hit the pinata. Maybe you hit it four or five times and you end up being a Hall of Famer and a legend and they build a statue of you. But that's what I expect Oklahoma to be. And based on my expectation, yes, I think Brent Venables can make Oklahoma that in the SEC. And maybe the Big 12, too. Moving on. Last question here. Now, this is a good one because I'm going to take a little bit different angle than maybe a lot of folks would. Softball Sal, probably a friend of ours and we don't know it. My family and I love the show. Question. Will more coaches start leaving college football with the way everything is becoming? Notice the hashtags. Pate State 100K. Subscribe to the channel. We're almost there. That close. Yes. To answer Softball Sal's question, 
yes, I think coaches will continue to leave college football. As I have played on the show a few times, that Kirby Smart clip the day after the national championship game, very prophetic. Kirby Smart took time that he was given on ESPN, big global platform, and 24 hours or less removed from winning a title. Still got confetti in his hair. And what is Kirby Smart taking the time to talk about? Taking the time to talk about structure and the direction of the sport, doesn't like where it's headed. Good men are leaving the game, college game, uh, because they can't take it anymore. What happened a couple of weeks later? Matt Luke, his offensive line coach, didn't go to the NFL. He didn't go to another college. He just retired. Said, I, I can't take this anymore. Went to be with his family. That's not the end of it. That's just the beginning. Uh, so what is the reason there? Well, workload, disproportionate to what it's ever been in this sport. I know technology has made a lot of the day-to-day -day of a college coach easier, but there's also some stuff, let's just be honest and put it all on the table, that you're dealing with. If you're a defensive backs coach at Oklahoma State today, that the DB's coach at Oklahoma State in 1977 didn't even know existed, much less had to deal with. So there's a whole lot more on your plate. I can guarantee you the DB's coach at Missouri in 1977 was not recruiting four classes simultaneously. Oh, and by the way, re-recruiting his own roster to make sure they don't go out the door. I mean, were they even worried about scouting college talent? No, they didn't have college scouting departments because once you were on campus, you were on campus. They didn't need to worry about the transfer portal. It didn't exist. There's so much more that you have to worry about as an assistant coach. Everyone looks at the salaries and everyone thinks you can just throw a certain dollar figure at someone and it creates 28 hours in their day. You can only do what you can do. I didn't matter if I make you a billionaire. You're capable of what you're capable of and every man's got a breaking point. Everyone's got a breaking point mentally. And once you reach it, you reach it. And some guys are leaving the sport because they know they're getting really close to it. Some guys are like Nick Saban or Kirby Smart. Those guys are robots. This will not be a problem for them. They are wizards. They are witches. They are different. They're not normal people. Uh, most of them, 99.9%, .9 even in that world, are not like them. And so, yes, I think there is a workload issue that could crop up. I also think there is some folk, there are probably some folks in the coaching profession that can handle the workload that may look at the overall, as they would probably call it, erosion of the bedrock of college football. Maybe there are guys out there, like it's happening in college basketball right now, who look and say, I don't like what this is becoming. I don't like where this is headed. Let me give it a couple more years. You know, maybe, maybe things will get steadied and the ship will get righted. But if it keeps going this direction, I don't need this. Plus, I got options. Maybe I'll go to the pros, which is number three. It used to be that the NFL was a tougher place to work than college. That is not the case anymore. It's not remotely the case anymore. I was talking to someone a couple of days ago who was on a major staff in the SEC uh, within the last 10 years, let's say. And they are in the NFL now. And I asked, not that I didn't already know the answer, but just to validate it, I said, compare what you did at fill-in-the-blank university day-to-day -day with what it's like now in the NFL. He said, I will never go back to college. If I don't have to, I'll never go back. I love the relationships with the kids. I love being part of developing guys at those premium points in their lives but I've got a life. Like, I go home. I, I've got a home life. We, I mean, we, we work harder than an insurance salesman, yeah, but we've got time to ourselves. I, I did not have that in college. So you got that. Guys with options at the pro level are just going to the pro level. And fourthly, now this is one that I want you to think about that's evolving rapidly. 
the opportunity on television is unlike it's ever been before. You may have noticed that Tom Brady signed a pretty revolutionary deal with Fox on the NFL side of things recently. Uh, the number one reason it's revolutionary is because he's still playing. And the other reason is because he's going to be paid $37 million a year to sit in a broadcast booth. Did you hear what I said? This is not, this is not the metric system. Inflation's not that out of control yet. 37 mil. I think 37.5. Don't let me shortchange Thomas. 37.5 million a year. Anyway, there are salaries that are being paid to A-level broadcasters. Herb Street is getting uh, 18 or something million a year, I think, from Amazon. Uh, ditto for Troy Aikman. Joe Buck, 15 some odd million a year to go call the games for ESPN. Their Monday night football broadcast booth is over 30 million a year just in the booth. That is prime investment. A lot of you guys don't think it's worth it. I can promise you, if you were to see the minute over minute and quarterlies and audience retention and Q rating, and you had the pocketbook, you would be paying every dime these networks are paying. You don't think it's worth it because you say to yourself, oh, I'm watching football regardless. I never tune in for a broadcaster. I know you don't. I don't either. A lot of other people do. We are the P1s. We're going to be there no matter what. Believe it or not, they can take us for granted. Uh, there are some other folks, casuals, maybe even, that are drawn to that sort of thing. So in college, guess what's about to happen? What's about to happen is a lot more of the streaming giants are going to get in the college football game. Also, you've got different franchise products like College Game Day, for example, that you could easily see in the coming years having to make personnel decisions. And you've got coaches that are making $8 million a year right now that could go double their salary for a tenth of the workload, or maybe not even that, probably a 20th of the workload per year that they currently do. They could go talk in a microphone and double their salary and cut their workload by who knows how many fractions. Someone's going to do it, and then about two or three or four of them are going to do it, and all of a sudden you're going to be looking and you're going to be seeing guys who should still be in some of the primes of their careers sitting there talking to you every Saturday. Maybe in a broadcast booth, maybe on college game day, maybe on shows that are yet to even be invented. Maybe I'm doing something with one or two of them. People are talking about it in our world. The reason I'm mentioning this is not just, I'm not just speaking extemporaneously. People are talking about this. So there are some wheels already in motion. There are some efforts already underway. There are some offers, probably verbal in nature, I would categorize them as, already out to some guys that are perceived to be, you know, more close to the retirement age than just the I'm out of here age. It's going to happen in college football. I, I hope it'll be entertaining, uh, but it will be a shakeup to the sport. Just happened in basketball. I, I think something like that will happen in college football. Don't want it to happen, but I think it will happen. I appreciate you guys being tuned in. Uh, look, we've got to get to 100K, okay? I'm adamant about this. And here's what I really want. I would love for us to get to 100,000 subs on this channel before like media days. I don't even want to get into fall camp and have to worry about it. So I want to know what that surprise is from management. I want you to know it. We've already got a lot of other stuff in the works that we have direct control over, but that I don't have control over. You have control over that. So if you've already subscribed to the YouTube channel, thank you. If you have subscribed to the podcast, thank you. 59, I think 59% of you are not subscribed. So it's as easy as dragging that little mouse over that red button, subscribe, and then boom, you're done. And that's it. I thank you in advance. I'm pretty sure I know our audience. I thank you in advance. 
you probably just haven't done it because you're like me and don't subscribe to most channels. You just go search them. We'll keep doing that, but also take the added step of subscribing. For the recently returned producer, Jesse, turns out we needed him after all. Direct Colin in the house, our production executives. I'm Josh Pate. Have yourselves a great start to your week, and God bless. most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.